fullness of the Godhead lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ. And we used to be defined by our bare little existence, what Paul calls death, but Jesus sets us free for new eternal life. And so Paul says, you were dead in your sins, but God made you alive, rarely alive, eternally alive, with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. And he wiped out the old rule-based system. Now, non-Christians get the idea that people who go to church are sort of terribly miserable because they have to keep all these beastly rules all the time. They're not allowed to do anything that's any fun. But that's actually not the way it works at all once you know Christ. It's not, oh dear, we've got to keep rules. And Paul says, don't get sucked back into that sort of mindset. Oh, what can I get away with? Oh, I can't do this, I mustn't do that. And he says, no, no, we aren't under law. This is the rule, this jolly well do it or you get punished. We're under grace. He says, you're not tied by earthbound rules. Instead of that, I've put my nature in you, so you want to be different. Raised with Christ, we're citizens of heaven. And so, instead of thinking, oh, you know, what's my duty? I've got to, oh, I've got to do this, or oh, i better do that. And and exhausting ourselves, we should be living heavenly lives. And the fact is, if we can get that perspective, we keep saying, however bad things are down here, however miserable and depressed, depressing circumstances are, we're looking up and saying, but actually in heaven it's different, that's where things really happen, then it changes your attitude to the stuff down here. Instead of sinking under the ground, as you go down under the mud, you discover, actually, my head's still above the surface, maybe up to my neck, I can still see the stars. So Paul says, set your hearts on the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Make that your focus. Think how he overcame the worst that life on earth could throw at him. I mean, you can't get worse than man murdering God, but Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, looking to heaven, looking at what was going to happen, he endured the cross. He scorned its shame. And then at the end, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And if you're joining with him, then whatever you're going through, however horrid it is down here, you are going to be coming out at the end at the right hand of God. So, Paul says, train your mind so that you concentrate on heaven rather than letting earthly problems dominate your thinking. Because when things are going wrong, when life is difficult and, and hard, it's amazing how it shortens, you know, pulls everything in at us and that's all you can think about. Oh, I've got this thing to sort out. Of, oh, that might go wrong. Oh, gosh. They were, oh, God, what am I meant to do about that? And before you know where you are, it sort of crushed you. But actually, Paul says you don't need to do that. You can keep focusing and training your mind so that the worse things are down here, the more you're thinking about Jesus. Developing yourself that heavenly perspective in every situation in which you find yourself. Now, as I said just now when I was doing my little act, um, other people who are non-Christians don't have that capacity. They haven't got that eternal spirit of life to enable them to make change. They can say, you know, I'm going to try to stop worrying. It's really difficult to tell yourself because then you start worrying about the fact that you're trying to stop worrying and things. But as Christians, when you joined your life to Jesus's, that old self-run life died. And the fleshly heart is no longer what's driving you forward. Ever since you gave your life to Jesus, your real life spring hasn't been up on the surface where the waves trouble and there are storms and things. It's been much deeper. It's been wrapped up in the eternal life of Jesus in God rather than just here on earth. But sooner or later, God is going to choose to pull back the covers of eternity 
And then he'll reveal to the whole universe just how glorious his son is. People may feel a bit sorry for you. They think, you know, oh, you go to church. Oh, you're boring. Oh, you're a Christian. Because they don't see the glory that is inside you. But God said, oh, yes, the glory of my son Jesus who overcame death. That's what's going on inside you. And when Jesus is revealed in his majesty, you will be shining like stars. That's really, that is the reality of it. The world can't see that, but you can, because our life is Jesus. We'll be revealed as children, what have I done my crown? Children of the king. So, now, if that's the true state of affairs, if that's what's really going on, and we don't have to see things the way the world sees, then what are the implications? Well, we don't live under rules. We make free, willing choices. And those, all the bits that drag down everybody and they get stuck and caught and they feel, I can't get out of this, that's part of our old nature. That doesn't apply to us anymore. Queen Victoria, apparently, um, at the start of the War of the uh, Crimean War, uh, her ministers wanted to tell her about what would happen if... Uh, the British army was defeated and apparently she said we are not interested in the possibilities of defeat they do not exist but that's true for Christians we are not interested in the possibilities of defeat in all the the negativity getting a grip on us and causing us to respond no they don't exist not in Christ they don't if you're allowing yourself to behave badly then you're not living in Christ Christ in you can't behave badly So 1 John 1 verse 6, if we claim to have fellowship with him yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. And 3 verse 6, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who persists in sin has either seen him or know him. If you have Christ in you, if Christ is welling up in you continually, then Christ is enabling you to behave as Jesus would in each situation. So those little things that people wear around their wrist, WWJD, what would Jesus do? That's right, not because you're thinking, oh dear, here's my duty, I've, I've got to make myself do it, because that's what Jesus would do. It's actually, what is the character of Jesus? Jesus would want to do this, and Jesus is in me, so I want to do this. And it just wells up inside you. So what we have to do is to start checking ourselves. And the moment you see one of these nasty little negatives welling up inside you, beginning to little like a little green shoot, popping up, somebody's trodden on my toes and I'm upset with them. Somebody has been unfair to me. Somebody has been rude to me. And up, my instant reaction is, I, I want to be angry about that. And say, up, the moment I spot that, where does that come from? Is that Jesus in me? No, that's not. That's the, the devil responding like that with anger and pride and... One of them was lust, and I said just now, it's yearning for things, it's impatient to get our own way. It includes a spirit of control, wanting things my way in my time. And I don't know about you, I can make a pretty good guess, but I know in me, that's really strong. I'm always wanting things done my way and my time, and I get upset when my control is frustrated. I feel I'm entitled to, I'm entitled to a bit of time off, I'm entitled to a bit of respect. I'm entitled, humanly, I may be, but not in Jesus I'm not. That's a spiritual spirit from the enemy coming up. And verse 5 tells us it's a form of idolatry to want anything too much, to fail to accept God's will. Oh yes, Philippians 4 verse 6 tells us, by all means, let your requests be made known to God. So you say, Lord, I'd really like this. Oh, please, Lord, would you do this? But the moment you catch yourself beginning to obsess about it, I really want, I I, I must have it, I must, I really want, I really want this, Lord. Then you need to lay it on God's altar and surrender and say, Lord, I give it back to you. Saying with Jesus, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. 
because God really, really doesn't like these negative spirits which try to infect us of anger and pride and greed and lust and laziness and all these other things. And his judgment on them will be terrible, verse 6. It says, because of these, God's anger is coming. And like everybody else, you and I used to live under their power. We used to give them expression. But thank God, because Jesus died to all of that and rose again, and because Jesus is living in us, we've been cut free from them. We don't have to react like that. And now we have the power of choice. We can say to those negative forces, get lost. In the name and the authority of Jesus, I command you, get out of me. I will not react like that. You have no rights in me. Pride, greed, lust, anger, laziness, whatever it is. I will not respond because Jesus is my true nature. As we learn to recognize them, the very moment they begin to peep above the surface and catch them in the bud and break them off, well, then there won't be time for that anger to fester in our hearts, let alone they're issuing and our saying or doing nasty things. As I said when I put my Mac back on over the front, I'm jolly good at covering up my nastiness inside. Most of you wouldn't know most of the time. Somebody once asked Spurgeon whether a man was a Christian. He said... I don't know. I haven't had time to talk to his household. (laughs) Because your nearest and dearest are the ones who see what you're really like, whether you're giving way to a spirit of fear or self-pity or anger or pride or entitlements or control. It goes on and on. They see what's there inside. The rest of the world is just as covered up. But actually, in Christ, we have the right to the ability to say, the moment it starts to peep, I know where that comes from. It comes from the pit of hell. Get out and go back there in the name and authority of Jesus. So if we've laid aside that grotty, old, rank nature, and oh yes, it is natural, right? It's human, it's old natural, it's humanly natural. But it's not Christ natural, which is your new nature. The moment we've identified which practices belong to that, which to Jesus, we'll catch ourselves before we do things like telling lies. Because Jesus is the spirit of truth. And he, he wouldn't be telling lies, so why would I do it? Right, and that's, 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 that's the old nature, that doesn't belong to me anymore. And so instead we tell ourselves every moment, each time there's the germ of a temptation, I choose to be dressed in Jesus. My new self, the Jesus self, has the knowledge and understanding that is Jesus' is, and I know what's going on here. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11 says... We are not ignorant of Satan's devices. And all the time, he's amazingly subtle, isn't he? The way he can just trigger circumstances so it presses your buttons. He knows the particular things that get to you. They may not trouble your wife or your husband or somebody, but they just get you and it wells up in you, a negative reaction of some sort. And Satan will press that button. But if you are in Christ, you have the knowledge, you say, I'm not ignorant of what's going on here. I know where that's come from. That's not Jesus in me. That's Satan. And get out in the name of Christ. My new nature is how God the creator designed humanity to be in his own image. That is Jesus. And it's his spirit that propels me now. And that is gloriously liberating because I'm no longer defined by my background, by what's happened to me in the past, by the the nasty things people have done to me, by the things I've got wrong myself. They they don't define me. I don't have to be shaped by that. So I'm not defined by whether I'm a Brexiteer or a Remainer, a Sussex lady or an Essex girl, a peasant or a peer, a career girl or a homebody, because all of those things are entirely incidental to my real self. And differences, you take a different view on this from me. Well, couldn't matter less, could it? 
But I can't possibly separate me from my fellow Christians, who may be totally different from me in every particular, because we've got what is most important in life in common. We've got Christ in us, the hope of glory. All that really matters is that I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. And so having identified and expelled every nasty, sneaky, spiritual force of negativity that's trying to infect us, let's consciously choose instead to live out the character of Jesus, which the Holy Spirit has given to us. So when I might otherwise feel offended, I can, by the power of God which dwells in me, choose to react in his character with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. When you tread on my toes and cut across me and behave badly towards me, as you keep doing all the jolly time, I must say, everywhere I go, people are cutting across me and uh, irritating me. They're very tiresome of you all. Um, But then because I have the patience not just of Job but of Jesus, I can tolerate it. I can tolerate you. And I can smile ruefully and say, oh, well, never mind. You may have got things really badly wrong. You may have behaved atrociously towards me. But Jesus forgave me for all my pride and greed and anger. So by his spirit, I can choose to forgive you. Indeed, I can do better than that. In spite of my lower nature, I can recognize in myself the love which Jesus feels for you. He loved you enough to die for you. And his heart beats in me. So I can allow to come to the fore in me, in the words of the hymn, that great love which, like a fire, is always burning in his heart. His love wipes the slate clean. His love gives each of us a new start every moment of every day. His love holds the universe in being. And we, you and I, are privileged to be part of that love which is completeness, God's plan for his creation. We are his new creation. Every moment we have the power to choose to live it. So it says, finally... One of you to help me? Two of you. Okay, take one corner each at the bottom. Okay. It says, put on love which... Co-. So just go away from me. Keep going across the congregation. Go further, further. The love which reaches out across from me and pours out over everybody else. Keep going round to the side, over the top. That's it. Keep going. More love welling up for me. It's amazing how much love. It's infinite. Actually, well, this isn't infinite. But keep going on round. We want the entire congregation to be wrapped in the love of Jesus. And I can choose. I haven't got this in me, but I'll go further over this way. All right. All this love just welling out over, over everybody. It's, well, that'll do. We didn't get to the end of it. I haven't got that. <laughs> I just succeeded in busting the table. No, yeah. I haven't got that, but Jesus has. Jesus is infinite. Jesus is in me. And it's amazing how much love he can pour out to everybody else. So let's just pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for that unending love. The unending love which reached to us. That unending love which put an end to death. So, Lord, we're not trapped in our natural, tiny, selfish lives, but you put a new spirit in us, the spirit of Jesus. Lord, we're so sorry that we keep reacting in our old self. We keep responding to things which irritate us with anger and pride and greed and all these other things. But, Lord, that's not who we are. Thank you that you are our true nature, Lord Jesus, with your love and your joy and your peace, your patience, your kindness, your goodness. 
So, Lord, have your way in us. Help us to identify with you so strong, to be so conscious of you in our lives that each time something happens that could be a trigger for negativity, instead we choose Christ, we live Christ, you live yourself through us and pour out your love in Jesus' name. Amen.